it was this really public process and it was so interesting to see how the artists developed their work so differently. Like we're all doing the same task. This is Steve Sherlock for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, anywhere on the internet, WFPR.FM, and in the local Franklin Mass FM radio dial 102.9. This session of the radio show shares my recorded conversation with Molly D. Molly is one of the artists who was selected for the Franklin Cultural District Artsy Box Project. The Artsy Box Project is now fully visible in and around downtown Franklin. This is the second of a two-part series. The first part was my conversation with Shilpa Aduri, Jenny Labolita, and Julia Donnell. These three conversations were recorded before the Yahtzee box painting actually started in April 2023. Each artist provided some of their background about their work, and in particular on the Yahtzee box project. The show notes contain links to the photos showing the before, in process, and finished works. It was good to talk with Molly. I hope you learned something about their art and appreciate a little bit more about the role art can play here in Franklin. So Steve Sherlock here for Franklin Matters, Franklin Public Radio, in this, here in studio today with Molly D., one of the artists who had the opportunity to repaint an electrical box. Molly, thank you for coming in. Thank you so much for having me here today. You know, the box from kind of ugly <laughs> industrial has transformed into this wonderful piece of color. And if I recall correctly, yours is the one that's right on the corner of Union and West Central, right by the Davis Thayer School. So it's a public spot. People can see it. And how, did you catch some comments along the way as you were painting? <laughs> oh my gosh, yes. It's so funny. When I was working, I. At first, I got a lot of people, because you'd put in, like, the basic shapes, the basic colors at first, right. and people were like, oh, what is this adventure <laughs> that you're going on? And I'm like, trust the process. Come back. We'll see it. And then back there is a friend that I made along the way. I never caught his name, but every day that I was out there, he caught up with me, and he's like, oh, my gosh, I love this process. Or even when I was, I think it was, like, 8 o'clock at night, and I was working by the flashlight of my cell phone all of a sudden I heard the police radio and it goes, excuse me, miss. And I was like, what? And it was a police officer in a car using uh, the speaker trying to tell me that I did a great job, but he didn't want to... Um, Get out and really disturb you. Yeah, <laughs> scare me by just walking up to me. But it was very sweet. They're going to get a ticket for painting in public. <laughs> <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah, and I, I walked by, I think, twice to see you in process the last time you were putting the finishing and the ceiling on it. Yes. It was so wonderful. I'm, I don't live in Franklin. I live a little bit away. So when I would work, I would work in these large batches. So like one Saturday, I was there at like six in the morning, grabbed lunch, and I was there until like nine o'clock at mm -hmm. night. So I really got to meet a whole bunch of different people. But that last final coat when you got the sealant on and everything wraps up all together and you can finally step back from the project and be like, wow, it's done. It's mm -hmm. finished. Now people get to experience the whole thing. So 
To the extent that you don't live in Franklin, do you have like a little, what's your little Franklin story? How, how did you get to do this box? <laughs> so that's so funny that you ask. I have kind of two major connections to Franklin. So growing up, my mother's best friend lived in Franklin. So I've been to Franklin ever since I was a little girl, here and there, going to parks. Um, but then as an adult, the person kind of leading the charge on this project, her name is Amy Adams. And yes. She used to live in Natick. And we got very close during her time in Natick. And so when she moved to Franklin, she was like, you need to check out this town. You really need to spend time here <laughs> as an adult. And I was like, okay. So I started wandering around downtown and I saw all these people like just saying hi to you, saying good morning. Everybody mm -hmm. was biking. Everybody was enjoying the beautiful weather. So then I was like, ooh, I love being here between mm -hmm. the burritos and La Cantina and all of the different like bakeries downtown. I was so interested in spending time here. In general, my relationship with Franklin is that I am a very avid admirer of the town of Franklin. Okay, that's a good way to phrase it, yeah. <laughs> so, and then of course you heard about probably through Amy, the project and the application. So you threw one in and you got selected. Yes, that was such a crazy thing. I was like, oh, okay. Like to me, Franklin is about life and community and kind of this this energy, this bright energy. So I was like, you know what? I've been thinking about like mythology and kind of this idea of storytelling. And I thought life and community. So then I thought of the goddess Persephone. Mm -hmm. And so I decided to put together this idea and I put it in and honestly did not think I was going to get chosen because Franklin's such a bustling town. Right. But I ended up being one of the lucky people picked. Mm -hmm. Did you have, I mean, I don't know all of your artists, certainly I've seen that one piece, but I'm assuming most artists generally work in kind of the two-plane space. Was it a challenge to work now in effectively two planes, but four-sided in the top? <laughs> That is an amazing question. Actually, I am mostly a sculptor by trade. Oh! So most of my work is like large, abstract, figurative pieces, and then I do a lot of painting from there. I do a lot of drawing from okay. there. So for me, I was totally down with the four spaces. That, top, that was fit sides. right in. That was great. Having to layer paint on top of paint on top of paint. Oh, that was the challenge. That was the challenge. And really, like, I'm such a perfectionist at heart, so getting those lines over and over mm -hmm. again. Right. Especially, there's a part in the piece where it's hands overlapping one another. Oh. Always the tricky part. Yep. We'll have to include, certainly the photos, I've taken photos of the before, the ugly box, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> the during, at least in some key stages, of course, and then the finished photos from each of the sides. So links, we'll put links available for that so people can view it. And certainly, it's public. You can go out and stop by the corner if you haven't already seen it. So it's visible in there. In fact, if you start at the firehouse, there's an electrical box that was painted by Correct. a fellow artist there. And then I like to go on a little art tour where I walk down to my art box, and then I start walking downtown at the Common. You can see a whole bunch of there's them. There's three boxes at the Common. And then as you come back Main Street, there's also a box right by the Dean Library. Yes. And that's kind of done in the library book theme. That's a, a nice piece. And then downtown opposite the Rome on Cottage Street is another box. I think that's, if I remember correctly, that's the seven of them. <laughs> I think so, yes. And it, it was so interesting as we were working, like I would see um, Julie or 
Julia. Julia Dwinell did one of the yes. ones on the town common, right on the uh, the church side, Ple uh, Pleasant Street side. Oh, I was thinking of the one over the fire station. I thought that was Julia. Oh, it, there may be multiple Julias. That <laughs> yes. is entirely possible. <laughs> I don't have my list of all the names, and it it kind of blends together. I'm talking all Atsy box with, <laughs> with a bunch of folks, and it's True. a common theme. But yeah, I'm trying to remember the names. <laughs> But yeah, so there was this artist and she was down the street from me and she was working on this electrical box that had hummingbirds on it. Yes. Um, and we shared our sealant codes and we got to talking and it's so funny that she actually also lives around Natick. So we kind of had this shared like commute into Franklin and you get to see all this beautiful like greenery as mm -hmm. you're driving through Franklin. It is sure. really something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We were, we, we were transitioning from a farm community uh, clearly a lot of developments have occurred, so now 80% of the buildings are single-family homes. Oh, wow. um, but there's still a good set of treescape around uh, in both open and protected spaces, conservation spaces, as well as just along the roads. You see trees along a lot of the roads. It's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. and then the town common is always a very visible public space, shaded. So it can be a little cooler in the summer, but sometimes in the warmth and just out in the open, it can get rather hot. <laughs> so you definitely appreciate the shade and the trees. Sculpture. So do you work in metal, wood, any of those, any, any others in particular or? My quick spiel on materials is I basically say that I build a house like I build a sculpture like you would build a house. Okay. So mostly I actually work in insulation foam, like rigid polystyrene, Ooh. and then I add plaster on top, and then it's kind of a, a layering process of acrylic, plaster, spray paint, going back and forth. Oh, okay. That definitely sounds interesting. <laughs> You continue the layer theme there, that's for sure. Yes. Yeah. I'm always very interested in color and the way that color kind of interacts because I feel like oftentimes, not that I don't love muted colors and earth tones, right, sure. but color brings people joy. And I feel like sometimes art can feel really inaccessible and like it's put on a shelf away from people. And by bringing color, it's this entry point that people yes. get where yeah. people feel like they get to like be mm. happy when they mm -hmm. see your work. Right. So, and I think your public art, at least with Persephone, um, the, the bluish background, obviously the ocean water, et cetera, um, that, at least from what I understand, blue tends to be certainly a welcoming color. Um, it's in a lot of public places as you walk in, entries, et cetera, for those reasons, I believe. Oh, absolutely. Blue is such a welcoming <clears throat> color. And then... I actually, with this piece, kind of turned my usual coloring on its head. Like, usually I'm mostly blues and greens, of which you will see a lot in this piece. Right. But I added pink into the mix. Yes. And it was so interesting because I know that pink oftentimes tends to be connected with and associated with young girls, and especially with this Barbie movie coming mm -hmm. out, we have this kind of femininity of pink. But I didn't really think anyone would notice, oh, they noticed <laughs> as I was painting this and as I was putting the pink up, the amount of young people, like little kids running around being like, oh my God, this is the best color ever. This is so pretty, you need a princess. And they were just so welcomed by that pink. I was like, wow, I'm gonna yeah. start adding pink into my repertoire a lot more. 
Yeah, I've always been aware, not to the extent that I use color as much as you do, but particularly publishing on the web, uh, contrast. So the black and white as an extreme, but high contrast makes things much more visible, much more noticeable. Um, and I cringe when I go to a website and it's like just all dark colors and it's hard to read. It's just, why are you doing that? <laughs> Don't you want people to read? <laughs> so, yeah, I, I catch on it a little bit. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. Contrast is so important. And especially with this design, I have these like really like crisp lines because I love to see those contrasts mm -hmm. of colors right next to each other. And you're totally right. Like when you see things out in the world and the colors start to get muddled together, you're like, I just want legibility. Mm -hmm. It helps make things a little bit more clear. And I think even the other Julia or the Julia Duenel, she had kind of the puzzle pieces. So there's lines in shapes in the puzzle pieces with her piece as well. So it helped, I think, accent in many ways, similar to what you were trying to do in terms of the color and the schemes. And then the mind just had to kind of like put the puzzle pieces together to create the full picture. It was so funny. As I saw Julia work on that piece with the puzzle pieces, I was like, oh my gosh, there's no ruler here. This is crazy. <laughs> All those lines were freehanded. And like, yes, I was obsessed with the puzzle wrapping around the box, but I was also like, wow, just from a craftsmanship perspective, I think that's something that's really interesting about this process is that usually with my work, I've done a lot of public pieces before, but I make it in my studio or in another Very location. Space before it goes yes. out public. And yeah. usually the only time you spend in the public is install, which can be pretty small but right. with this I mean I spent two to three weeks just painting outside every day mm -hmm. weather permitting of course weather permitting very <laughs> much of course and so you really like it wasn't a solo practice it wasn't you by yourself at first I had um, a podcast playing and then I was like oh no because then that's gonna that's gonna be weird that's gonna make people feel uncomfortable right. so then i would have like soft music right. playing so people could feel like they could converse with me yeah. and yeah it was this really public process and it was so interesting to see how the artists develop their work so differently like mm. we're all doing the same task sure but how we approach it right. was miles apart there's certainly uh well other than the library books which relatively unique. Certainly there's a flower theme because you still have some flowers in yours if I recall correctly. I have a lot of trees in mine. I didn't go exactly okay, flowers, some, but it, yeah, floral is the theme. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. A lot of similar colors, although certainly not in the same shades, the shades of spectrums <laughs> amongst themselves. Um, but yeah, it just, it certainly brightened up the town and since they've done, what, the seven now and there's more. <laughs> it could be another project next year or the year after, who knows? <laughs> and I think it's so beautiful, especially with electrical boxes, because they are such grungy eyesores. Mm. Like at first you don't notice them because your brain kind of tunes them out. Right. But then right. over time you're like, oh my gosh, like this is a big electrical box that you see probably a couple of times a week at least at mm -hmm. West Central and Union blocking this beautiful building. And it's just gray and muddy and gross. And right. I really love that opportunity to like really bring life back into it and to see all these other boxes and how they're taking something that's so utilitarian and making it a reflection, especially where you all have done that so well with the ladybugs. Mm. The ladybugs are my favorite thing. Okay, yes, yeah. 
Yeah, the ladybugs are now positioned so that there's, for the listeners, you should be aware, there's the ladybug trail uh, with, you can get, I think it's a Escape into Fiction and Historical Museum, Downtown Partnership offices, you can get a little map, not so much a map, it's not that devised, but it's a layout as to where they are. And in some cases, you really have to be careful. Some are very visible, some are like, oh, it's up on the wall in the corner of the building. <laughs> fantastic like some of them are down by your feet you're like oh wow it's a ladybug and it's sharing information with me and then you're like oh my goodness pops up out of nowhere and it's yes. so beautiful yeah yeah for sure yeah. so with your sculpture you've done some public work do you have any other planned in the future or near future or just the ideas are just percolating ready for an opportunity absolutely so actually if you are able to go to the coal center over in natick so this is not a piece that I've done by myself. So as well as being an artist, I also teach design and visual communications over at Keefe Technical School in Framingham. Okay, yep. And so with my students, we put together an outdoor reading room installation. Ooh. So we worked with the carpentry shop and the metal fabrication shop. And so they built the structure. And so my students didn't have to touch any drills, which we're very thankful for. <laughs> and then we came up with this idea of kind of how do teenagers think about books? And so we thought of graphic novels. So okay. we kind of created this expanded graphic novel reading nook so that way people could come in and enjoy. So that is very much my students and I in collaboration, pulling that together. Um, so that's right over in the Cole Center in Natick. Oh, that sounds good. Yeah, because I know with graphic novels certainly are in that space. I've followed one or two. That hasn't been my thing. I do like young adult novels having read a bunch as my girls were going through school, et cetera, but that is in itself another art form in terms of the graphic art. You know, oh, having absolutely. the story told in pictures, certainly, that helps, but yeah. And it's so interesting that graphic novels are um, a genre. Yes. Like really, I mean, I feel like sometimes when you think graphic novels, we think almost comics, like, like Charlie Brown sure. in the newspaper, yeah, yeah. but really it could be everything. I mean, one of my favorite graphic novels is Persephone. Okay. Um, not Persephone, Persepolis. Persepolis. And Persepolis is such a beautiful graphic novel all about kind of a young girl coming to a coming of age in um, revolutionary Iran. And it's, it's a stunning black and white novel, but it really shows how different art can be. Art can be something that's a celebration. It could be something that is documentary. It can be really anything. It's just a form of communication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. And having been mostly a writer, using words to kind of, in the mind, paint the pictures of the ideas and the coming together or following a theme, etc. I definitely buy into that. And at some point in time where I have a little bit more time, potentially, I could practice to do some of the graphics, although I've never done much more than stick figures, so <laughs> that would be a bit of a challenge. <laughs> well, I personally am very jealous. As an artist, I feel like my first instinct is to pick up a paintbrush or pick up a pencil, um, but not to write words. Words don't generally come mm -hmm. to me very easily, but I feel like it's when you get a blank space and you get to just kind of start to draw, start to almost, it's like pulling a string from a web. Yes, sure. It's really kind of like piling things up over time. Yeah. Yeah, it was interesting, because um, clearly in my role, I do a lot of specific writing, reporting on meetings, so I'm just capturing and translating in, you know, 
kitchen English as opposed to the legalese in some cases of the meetings. But then on the side, I have a website called Quiet Poet because I don't advertise myself that much. But I do, and that's where I at least can get into some of the, what's really going on? <laughs> Why are we doing this? You know, some of those other theoretical, philosophical, hopefully question-raising um, discussion points. And it, I'll have an idea, and then it'll sit and percolate it for a while, and then maybe tackle it a little bit, and then all of a sudden there seems to be like, a coalescence and you just you just got to go and you go with the flow and if you miss that point forget it <laughs> you, you can never capture it again Absolutely. or at least i haven't been able to do so <laughs> <laughs> that is so true i feel like anytime i put together a body of work it's because there is this like little spark in the back of my head and then it's it's been sitting there and it's been growing and it's been developing and I'll slowly like think about it and research it and like wonder on it. And then all of a sudden the moment hits and you have to like ride the wave and you mm -hmm. have to go with it mm -hmm. and you have to make all of the things right. or you're going to lose that momentum. Yes. Yeah, you know, miss, miss listening to the muse appropriately is another <laughs> way to phrase it. <laughs> Although I think that's also a justification, you know, in tr when people talk about art and then how do you get paid for it well and how long did it take you to do that and why is it worth that well to a certain extent that i mean it was a lifetime's background that really built into any individual piece clearly some of it comes out in the piece yes but the entire piece has to have been there in order for these pieces to kind of collect and come out 100%. I mean, if you were to sit there and to calculate your hours, sometimes works of art take many, many hours, and sometimes they take very few, but really that's not a judge of value. Mm -hmm. I mean, if art is communication, it's about the idea. I mean, with this piece in particular, I would not have been able to make this piece if I didn't know about art history, if I didn't know about kind of this idea of how every generation we take these gods and these ideas and these symbols and we revamp them and we redo mm. them. I mean, there's the Persephone of the pre-Raphaelite pre period sure. that um, was the inspiration for this particular piece, but there's also the Persephone in Hadestown on a musical in Broadway right now. Mm -hmm. And all of this is it comes from obsessive learning. It comes from going out and needing to like know all of these things, experience all of these things, and sometimes it's writing, sometimes it's seeing other art, but it's really taking inspiration from everywhere, bringing it into your own little bubble, and then revamping it and reworking it in your mm -hmm. own personal viewpoint. Right. That also helps explain, and uh, I'll have to go kind of reread the Persephone myth, because as you said, there's, there's a couple iterations of it. Um, <laughs> but then positioning that box, literally, it had been just a box and yet it, quite important in terms of whatever electrical indoor light signals whatever it controls clearly is important now you've kind of created uh, another window specifically a view into oh this in the scene <laughs> and that's what's so interesting to me is that yes so it's an electrical box and it's unassuming but it's it's so important. I mean, it's important for the lights that we have on in this room. It's mm -hmm. important for just getting up and making your morning cup of coffee, which I find a very necessary <laughs> part of the day. You need to get started. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's so 
powerful, but it's so demure at the same time. Like we don't really think about it. We don't always think about the utilities that help make our、mm. towns and cities and living spaces function. And so, I mean, in many ways, this electrical box is one of my favorite things because I'm so interested in how municipalities work. And this is just a celebration of like. The details that go into it,、mm -hmm. the little moments. Right, right. It's almost like we probably should have another project. Not that I'm suggesting it, but just an idea. <laughs> you know, the sewer covers, the utility covers that are in the roads. They're just kind of like we roll over them, clump over them occasionally, perhaps, but certainly roll over them a lot, or walk over them a lot. And yet, they're the access points to this entire underworld, which is absolutely critical to everything else going on. So. Absolutely, and I don't know if you've seen it, but some artists have actually taken to inking up sewer grates and not sewer grates, the manhole covers. Manhole covers, yeah. And then they'll go ahead and they'll print. They'll use it as like a linoleum block, as if they were a printmaker, and then they'll hang those prints up. And I think it's so interesting to take something that we know as、sure. what our car rolls over, <laughs> and then to put it up on almost a gallery space to really question our idea of like. What is art? But even、mm. then, many places are going ahead and commissioning manhole covers that reflect like the history of a town or the、sure. history of a space.、Yeah. And I think it's such a beautiful way to celebrate how things work. Yeah, yeah. Design and art. There is art in design, and vice versa.、Um, and I remember reading somewhere the references escape me at the moment, but the best design you really don't notice. Because it just becomes the function; it just flows, and it does what it's supposed to do.、Um, so, yeah, to the extent that we've now, with your opportunity and the others, the design of those electrical boxes, kind of utilitarian, just functional. Now, give us another view into the world. And I think it's so. It's such an opportunity that these electrical boxes are giving us a view into another world. Because it's also creating a platform. I mean, one of my favorite things is over by、um, Dean College, the box with the books. I believe、yeah. that was either a Dean College student or like it was a high school student. It was it was a high school student. That's crazy. Like that's insane. I'm a grown adult, and I was exhausted and tired and cranky while making this. And a high school student with finals going on and all、yeah. the things that happen in high school. Graduation. She、What、graduated. What a time. That's just to see young people having a platform in their own town and、mm -hmm. really being able to tell Franklin. What Franklin means to that person、sure. to really like see how that all came to be and how that all processed,、mm -hmm. I think is just brilliant. And gosh, during graduation, that is a miracle. Yes,、yeah, one of the ones I have to talk to still. She's been busy a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> Not that you haven't been busy. You had some important changes too. Ah <laughs>、uh, yes, you know, just getting married in the middle of working on your artsy box tends to put a damper on your schedule. Not so much a damper, just. Alters your schedule. Exactly. <laughs> There are priorities. <laughs> yeah, and I think for those, if somebody outside Franklin just goes by and just says, "Oh, wait a minute, there's a library, there's books here," and if you don't know the Franklin book story, then that could be an entree point to it, because I mean that's the origination story, or at least one of the key origination stories. <laughs> Absolutely. I mean, when I was working on the box, sometimes my now husband would be、um, accompanying me. Sometimes 
he was helping paint, but mostly he was telling me fun facts okay. about the town of Franklin. Sure. And he's like, did you know that Benjamin Franklin started the first library in Franklin? And I was like, I did not know that. And he's like, that's so cool. Like a town based on knowledge, like a town founded on this idea of mm -hmm. knowledge and the pursuit of knowledge. And it's, it's so interesting because when that book box came up, I was like, wow, what a perfect yep. visualization of that idea. Yeah. And then just to continue the story, the library was significant in the life of the young Horace Mann. Horace Mann then goes on to become a legislator, an educator. He's the one who brought the education system to Massachusetts and elsewhere. So the father of education learned from Ben's books. Oh, Franklin. So how about that? That's incredible. Yeah. That is so wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing stories, and there's more here. And thank you certainly for taking time to help at least explain Persephone and the box and the entree and anybody else coming along can at least say, oh, look at that. <laughs> and then hopefully take one of the many paths that are available to find out more about the town and about you and your other works. Yes, it's been, it's been a really wonderful journey, and I've been so excited and so thankful for this opportunity to, to be able to meet the people of Franklin through this way and to be able to, to give my little piece of the art world to Franklin and to really have that experience of Franklin communicating back. It's been Good. wonderful. Good. Well, thank you for taking time to come in today. Uh, for the listeners, uh, if you haven't seen the box, please go by and visit, and then the other boxes. Um, and then a quick reminder, we do this because Franklin matters. We are now producing this in collaboration with Franklin TV and Franklin Public Radio. This podcast is my public service effort for Franklin, but we can't do it alone. We can always use your help. How can you help? If you can use the information that you find here, please tell your friends and neighbors. If you don't like something here, please let me know. Through this feedback loop, we can continue to make improvements and I thank you for listening. For additional information, please visit franklinmatters.org. If you have questions or comments, you can reach me directly at suresteve at gmail.com. The music for the intro and exit was provided by Michael Clark and the group East of Shirley. The piece is titled Ernesto Manana, copyright Michael Clark and Tin Tunes in 2008, and used with their permission. I hope you enjoy and by the way, you can also subscribe and listen to Franklin Matters Radio on your favorite podcast app. Search in podcasts for Franklin Matters.